The Splash Podcast is sponsored by Goldfish, the snack that smiles back. Goldfish, the best thing to eat. It's my favorite snack. Go get some now because this is the pod for the snacking. I am your host, Jordan Skyla Sarf, and this is the Splash Podcast. What's going on on this episode of the Splash Podcast? We talk about Brooklyn and the Bucks, an Eastern Conference projected matchup. We talk about Joker winning MVP, the Celtics being a scam, LaMelo Ball winning Rookie of the Year. We're going to dive into LeBron calling it a season and giving up RTR, ready to roll, ready to roll. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Nets, Bucks. I guess on the schedule, they had the Nets and the Bucks playing on Sunday and also playing on Tuesday. So what do you think? You're looking at Milwaukee at home twice against Brooklyn, who is pretty much dogging the rest of the season. And they lost. They lost both games. And it's a pain in the ass because Brooklyn needs to prove themselves now in order to show that they're going to be a championship team in this playoff run. I know they're going to play well. I know it's going to happen. They're just dicking around hard and can 100% play right now. I know we could play. But the Nets are just dicking around. They don't know what they want to do. Durant looks sloppy, not going to lie. Listen, he's going to have 30 points a game. He always going to have 30 points a game. But this is a guy that when we're in the playoffs and we have no defense, we're going to have to rely on all baskets. So, Durant, figure your shit out. I think um, towards the end of the Sunday night game, he missed the last, like, five field goals. And they were all, like, really difficult threes. And he also turned the ball over, like, two or three times at the end, too. We can't be dicking around right now as a Nets fan base here. We need to play defense. And the only guy that we have that could play half, two guys that could really play defense are Shamit and DeAndre Jordan. But DeAndre Jordan, based on what I watched this week, can't handle Giannis. If he can't handle Giannis, there's zero chance he's going to handle Embiid. So, Brooklyn, I know we have firepower. I know that there could be nights where Harden, Durant, and Kyrie each have 50 points and we don't have to score. I understand that could happen. But right now, it's not happening. So I'm concerned for the Nets' future going into the playoffs. There's a lot of teams that are hungry that are starting to play a little bit more defense. Brooklyn is kind of going with this laissez-faire approach. You know, who the fuck cares? Let's just chuck up shots. Let's do some dribble moves. Let's do some behind-the-back passes. It's kind of annoying because the the East right now, this is just a really great take. I think the East is equal with the West. Not stars, not stars, but teams. Like you got Milwaukee, I'd put them kind of with Phoenix. You've got the Sixers, who I would debate and kind of throw with the Jazz. Yes, that was a really bad comparison, but I I could mix and match everything. So as far as the East goes, I you know, again, I'm biased because I'm a Nets fan, but I could see Milwaukee winning it now. It's not the finals. It's not the Eastern Conference champion I'd want to see as a fan, but it's definitely the best team. They they have a somebody in the I think it was Jeff Van Gundy said on TV. He's like they they have a good big three. And you know what? I laughed when he said it at first because I thought it was dumb, but he's right. Drew Holiday is fantastic. Really good defender. Really good shooter. And just overall great point guard. You got Chris Middleton with a head the size of a bobblehead. And this guy pumps mid-range jumpers better than anyone. He's also a great defender. And then you've got Giannis, who's everything. Who, in my eyes, is 
the next LeBron James. Not 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 the same skill level, but just when it, when LeBron retires, that guy is Giannis is going to be the scariest man coming down the court as far as driving. You could argue Luca, you could argue Simmons, but Giannis has that like muscle build. Like he's kind of built like a like a like a, like a pirate ship. Like there's no there's no nothing getting in his way. So Giannis and the Bucks look really good right now. But again, it's the NBA. Anything can fucking happen. Giannis could go down right before the playoff starts and all this is bullshit. And B could start breaking out with Simmons and Tobias. And, you know, again, there could be a big toss. I could see Miami making a little push if they get squeaked it away in the playoffs. I also could see the Knicks, you know, fighting around. But the thing is that just like there's a movie called Moneyball, it involves baseball. And it's about statistics and players and how they, you know, you could take a team of guys that aren't very good and make them work together just because of stats. Well, in basketball, you can you can make that work during the regular season. That's why I think Utah is so good. But when it comes to playoff time, and this is a phrase that my brother and I speak about, when you put your head down and go to the fucking cup, like that's winning time. And there's only a few players that really could do that. One of them, LeBron James. He's the absolute best at it. I'm talking our error. I'm not talking Michael Jordan, whatever. But LeBron, absolutely the best at that. Number two at doing that, Kevin Durant. So I'm excited to see KD pull this off. I would love to see a Nets playoff push. But the East is difficult right now. And everyone everyone in the East kind of has this underdog mentality, which is kind of cool because, again, everyone looks at the West and says, oh, the flashy West. Look at everybody, the Phoenix and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz, like the Nuggets. Like, it's a flashy Western conference. The East has always been this blue-collar underdog uh, conference. And I'm excited to see how the East plays out. But right now, Milwaukee just looks way too good. Like, I don't think anyone beats Milwaukee going into the Eastern Conference Finals, at least. So hopefully Brooklyn could steal the one seed just so we don't have to deal with them. But if if Brooklyn falls to two or three, we're going to have to deal with a lot of bullshit. Sticking with the East, I'll just jump, jump into it now. The Boston Celtics, fart smellers. I don't know how you did it. You got the Fournier. You've got the Danny Ainge with the picks. You've got the team. And again, you guys are just a bunch of bums. What is this shit? Evan, I, I, I talked about this yet. Evan Fournier's first game as a Celtic. He had zero points. He shot the ball like seven times. What is this crap? What is this crap? I mean, are you trying to make a push for the championship? Or are we just trying to you know, scrimmage some good teams and dick around. It's not right. It's not right that the Celtics are playing like this. I think, and I posted something a few weeks ago about this, I think they should split up Tatum and Brown. I think there's just too much young energy where those, listen, those guys work together. Tatum's a great player. I believe Tatum's the forward, and I believe Jalen Brown's guard. And they're great. They're both great. But I just don't see them working. There's no leader on that team. Like, I feel like young talent works when there's a good leader. The ultimate leader, obviously, Chris motherfucking Paul. That guy led the... Listen, every team that guy's been to, he has led them to a better winning percentage. And now he's dealing with a young Devin Booker and a young DeAndre Jordan. And he's guiding them. The Celtics don't have a guide right now. So 
it's kind of upsetting to watch them play because it's just like, again, Kemba's a great player, but he's not a leader. He's not acting like the leader of the team. You've got who else on that team? Fortier. Again, just picked him up, you know, just made that whole trade or whatever. Again, he's not a leader. Brown, Tatum, they're 24 years old, same age as me. They, this guy could live in my apartment and I wouldn't, like, it would be the same. would be fine. They don't have any leadership right now. And teams without leadership can't win. That's why I really like, I mean, I don't want to get off track, but that's why I really like Phoenix this year to emerge out of the West. Um, but again, that's, I'll come to that in a second. Boston, it's kind of like watching, it's kind of like watching a heavyweight fighter, like, post their prime. That's what the Celtics look like. It looks like all those guys are already done. And they're just all kind of dogging it. That's kind of sad because they'll they'll play a good game against Miami and then they'll lose by 20 to the Knicks. And you think to yourself, you're like, this team has no chance. Like how they have all these stars. How are they losing? Is it Brad Stevens' fault? Is it him saying, you know, starting with the coaching, maybe he needs to say something to the team? Or maybe it's a player thing. I personally think it's a player thing that there's no leader. There's no one saying, this is my team and I'm going to lead them to the championship. Every championship team that I have seen has had that player. Has had that player that said, I'm the leader, and this is my team, and we're going to the championship, no questions asked. So, Boston, figure your shit out. I know you have the best in-stadium food, If no, for those who don't know, in the TD Garden where the Celtics play. They have a lobster mac and cheese, grilled cheese. Yes, it's fantastic. So, I know they have good food, but let's stop worrying about the food. Let's stop worrying about the leprechaun on the court. And let's start fucking winning. I think, and also, someone in that locker room is going to need to grab the flag and say, I'm the leader. You're not going to win if no one does, if somebody doesn't do that. So, Boston, figure your shit out because it's kind of aggravating watching you play. LaMelo Ball, back. Back in action. Love him. He was also a fantasy all-star for me. I'm out of the playoffs. I'm already done. The league's almost over. I don't care. But LaMelo Ball, back in action. I saw this pass he made. It was a pretty much a half-court, underarm, like softball lob in the air. The ball must have went give or take 50 feet. And it was a basket. Amazing pass. So I'm thinking to myself, Tyler Halliburton, who was pretty much going to win. I think him or Anthony Edwards were going to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, with LaMelo Ball out, Halliburton's out, and I haven't heard anything about Edwards in the past couple weeks, in the past couple months, honestly. Is LaMelo Ball Rookie of the Year? I'm going to say yes. Again, I think it's bullshit that the games out account for who is the Rookie of the Year. Last year was a really interesting case because Job Morant's phenomenal. I'm not talking shit about him. He's a phenomenal point guard, and he's going to be great in this league. But Zion was the rookie of the year. Everyone's, no one's looking at, oh, Ja Moran, I can't wait to watch the Grizzlies. No one gave a fuck. Everyone's thinking, oh, I can't wait to watch New Orleans because I want to watch Zion. So I think, just like now, because the MVP, we'll talk about MVP in a second, but I feel like MVP is very narrative-based now. It's not really about who's the actual MVP. It's just who's the most entertaining story that we could latch on to. So, Right now, Rookie of the Year, everyone talks about Anthony Edwards because he dunked. Because he has a good dunk on his resume. That's it. I don't care that the guy scores 15 points. I don't care about his rebound numbers or assists. He's not flashy. He's not exciting. He's a good player. But he's not like, 
eye-opening for me. He's just a fucking basketball player. That's it. So I really sway towards LaMelo being that rookie of the year candidate, rookie of the year winner. Because he's exciting. Look at well how he plays. Look at listen. I used to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. I used to love the team, and I made a big transition when my father went into surgery because we went to a Nets game, and it made me feel like oh, it's my connection with my dad. So I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. But before, I was a big Hornets fan. Loved the team. I'm not from Charlotte. I just liked Michael Jordan, and I was around for those Bobcat days with Kemba. I sat around for those idiot picks that they'd make throughout the year, and they finally got someone who's exciting, who could play, and that fans want to see. And people look forward to him. I don't watch Hornets games unless that man is playing. And when he is, I'm just watching him with the ball because I know he's going to do some cool shit, and it's going to work. It's not like he's just doing cool shit and striking out. He's making plays, and they're effective on the court for him and for his team. So I'm putting Lamelo Ball there because he makes a change, and he's also exciting. I think it's unfair that Anthony Edwards is the favorite right now, or that Halliburton's the favorite. Both are great players. Both will be great players in the league. I don't know where their careers are going to go. But I can guarantee you, if LaMelo Ball is playing at this type of level, he's going to be an all-star caliber guy. And he could even be a playoff guy if he sticks around with Charlotte or moves around. So, LaMelo Ball, rookie of the year. That's my take. Pitch me out later. Transitioning into... MVP. I know I talk about this every week, but I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to wave the white flag because Joker is going to win. I'm finally coming to terms. I was very biased because I really liked Embiid this year. I really liked LeBron, but obviously LeBron is having his own set of drama and I'm not getting into it. And Embiid, listen, he's playing at an unreal level, but he, he missed the games and that is the worst thing in the world, that they're going to take away an MVP from a guy just because he missed games. So, uh, Joker's going to win. There was a stat that I saw. I believe the Nuggets are 10-2 and two since Jamal Murray went down. And once I read that, and once I saw that Joker was pretty much averaging a triple-double during this time, um, I'm like, look, it, there's, there's no doubt. It's exciting that a center is going to win MVP, whether it's Joker or Embiid. It's exciting because that hasn't happened since 2000 with Shaq. And we're in a, it's funny because our league right now is very, again, offense-based. You know, just shooters, pulling up shots, splash, bang. Like, that's our league. It's not defense at hustle and like steals and rebounds. It's all, it's all flashy shots. And, you know, you would think a guard or a forward would win MVP just because of that style of play that we have today but joker has proved all that wrong he this guy triple average pretty much averages a triple double most impactful player on the court right now for denver and pretty much one of the most impactful players in the court in the west and i just i have to hand it to him he's had a really great season and i'm pretty sold he's mvp the only guy i could beat him again joel Embiid can beat him and there's also the conversation about uh, Steph Curry MVP. Well, look at the Warriors record. Look at how Curry plays. And I don't know. I'm just biased because I got knocked out of the playoffs in fantasy and Curry was on my team. So Steph, I know you could listen. I know you're an MVP caliber player, but this was a weird season and just do it next year and do it better. You'll have health next year too. So 
Curry off the table. Someone that everyone's discussing is Chris Paul and saying, oh, Chris Paul, could he be the MVP? He deserves one. He definitely deserves one MVP in his in his NBA career, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after. He definitely deserves one. But, you know, you got to look at the numbers. I don't necessarily know how well he, like his shooting numbers are fine. His assists are good. His rebounds are okay. It, it, there's just something that like uh, that isn't quantifiable right now, which is winning percentage before a player gets there and after. I don't think the NBA really is taking that into account because anytime Chris Paul goes somewhere, a team automatically becomes a playoff contender. They don't become a championship contender. That's the biggest problem. They become a playoff contender. I love Phoenix this year. I really think they could make a strong push. And if if this is how the West is going to be with the crappy Lakers and, you know, banged up uh, Clippers and, you know, whoever with the Jazz, like the Nuggets definitely, that's all right. The, um, the Phoenix Suns could definitely steal the West. It would be Chris Paul's first time in a championship, which would be awesome because I'd like to see him at least compete for it. And with that being said, Phoenix isn't going to the playoffs at all without Chris Paul. This guy is everything for that team. He was everything last year for Oklahoma City. And he was everything a few years back for Houston. So I'm excited to see these playoffs pan out. I don't think Chris Paul will win the MVP, but he is definitely right now the quote-unquote fans MVP because this guy wasn't supposed to do anything. He's got a shitload of help. But he has been, again, he's the guy who grabbed the flag in the locker room and said, I am leading the charge. No questions asked. This is my team. We are going to win. When you have that guy, that confident guy to go out there and say that for your team in anything, not just basketball, at work, film production, whatever the hell you're doing, you have a guy that's going to grab the flag and say, I'm in charge. Follow my lead. I will lead you to where we want to be. I will show you the light. Everyone's going to follow. So Joker, MVP. Sorry, Chris Paul. You definitely are the fans, MVP. Curry, I'm not apologizing. Do it again next year and, you know, win more than... 40 games, and we'll talk. There comes a time in every NBA MVP's career where he has to take the crown and leave it next to him and walk off the throne. And I'm telling you now, I hate to say it, but I believe it is LeBron James's time to take the crown and pass it off. He's done. He said he said he'll never be 100% ever again in his career after this horrible ankle injury. He'll never be 100%. This is coming from the guy that led Mo Williams to a finals. It's actually amazing that this guy even doubts himself right now. I think there's something bigger going on with his injury that nobody else knows about. Maybe there's something going on in the locker room. I know they won the championship last year. It's very hard to repeat. But when you have LeBron James, you feel like anything's possible. And you know what? For him to come out with the white flag and say, hey, I am not 100% and leaving all this doubt in all the NBA fans' minds that he's just out of gas, it's really sad. I think it's really pathetic, and I think he's giving up. That's not fucking right at all. This man shouldn't give up. I don't understand why the fuck you would even say that. He also started talking shit about the in-play tournament. He came out and said that the man who, whoever came up with the in-play tournament should be fired. 
He's such a fucking hypocrite. Last year, he said he wanted an in-play tournament. And now he's bitching it out. So what's the future of the Los Angeles Lakers starting from now until the end of this season, so to speak? I have no fucking idea. LeBron does this crap all the time. I remember when he was in Cleveland, he bitched about how, oh, I need more than just Kevin Love and Kyrie. I need more than just Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith. He does this crap all the time. But this one's different because he's injured. And he said he'll never be 100%. If he wins the championship, does that mean that LeBron not 100% is better than the entire league at 100%? This guy's got some fucking balls, I'll tell you that. Just going out saying, I'm not 100%, I'll never be 100%. It's bullshit. As far as the Lakers go, AD, I know he's still a little rusty from his injury. He's trying to get back on his feet. I know the Lakers got blown out by the Clippers last night, which is disgusting because the Clippers are the worst team in basketball. And you know what? I think the Lakers still win the first round if they make it to the playoffs, which is an ultimate conversation. If they Right now, they're the sixth spot in the West. If they get down to seven and eight, nine, or ten, obviously they got to play this in-play tournament. They can get screwed by a Memphis Grizzlies or even a Dallas Mavericks, depending where they fall. So... It's going to be pretty insane to see these this in-play tournament play out, especially if the Lakers are 7, 8, 9, or 10. I think if the Lakers fall to 7, 8, 9, or 10 and make it to the playoffs, they'll play with more firepower than if they just had the sixth seed and just dicked around and waited until they uh, their matchup. They're, there's no juice. There's no energy right now in Los Angeles. It feels like they're a mechanic. Like I feel like uh, Frank Vogel's a mechanic. And the whole team is just fucking banged up. Everyone's, oh, I got a knee injury, an ACL problem, a fucking hip problem, a shoulder problem. Like, there's no positive energy flowing out of the Lakers locker room right now with all these injuries and all these erroneous LeBron quotes. So do the Lakers have a chance to win the championship? Every team has a chance to win the championship. Do they look like a team that's going to win the championship? Absolutely fucking not with this type of attitude and this type of injury, like uh, with these injuries. Just figure it out, Lakers. Figure it out. And I think it comes down to the guy holding the flag, as I said this whole entire podcast. LeBron holds the flag. If he's holding a white flag saying, I surrender, I'm not 100%, this season is over. You might as well not watch the yellow and purple the rest of the season. If he doesn't do that, if he comes into the in-play tournament, wins it, and says, we've got this, they'll follow his lead, and they'll win the Western Conference Finals. So everything is predicated on LeBron's attitude towards his injury, towards the team, towards the in-play tournament, towards anything that any that he's posting about, all predicated on his attitude. If he's positive, the Lakers will win. If he's negative, the Lakers will lose. That's it. Nothing more. I don't care how good he is. I don't care what his nicknames are. The King, LeBron, fuck that. All about his attitude. Come out there with the, flag, with the Lakers flag, you'll win the championship. Come out there with the white flag, you're going to go home in the first round. For our splash pick of the day, it's a weird card. Today is May 7th, 2021. The Knicks are playing the Suns in Phoenix. I have a weird feeling. Knicks plus seven. Just do it. I don't think listen, Phoenix will win, but just go Knicks plus seven. Okay? And if you want to know, I'll give you two. We'll go Knicks plus seven against Phoenix tonight. And we're also going to go, oh, this is insane. Go Pelicans plus nine and a half. Those are against the Sixers. Those are, listen, you got two dog picks there. 
You could tease them if you really want, make a nice little parlay. But I don't think the Sixers are going to blow out the Pelicans by 10 or more. And I don't, listen, Phoenix can blow out the Knicks, but the Knicks are like kind of in this dogfight right now where they just want to like stick, they don't want to go to the in-play tournament so they can't lose. So just let the listen. Knicks, Pelicans, tease them. Thank me later. You'll love it. That's all the time we have on the Splash Podcast. The Splash Podcast is brought to you by Goldfish, the snack that keeps smiling back, or whatever we want to call the slogan today. So, RTR, ready to roll, ready to roll.